Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Highland Park Baptist Church. The preaching and teaching ministry of Highland Park is led by our pastor, Dr. Jeremy Wallace. Our desire is to help you grow in your faith so that you can better glorify God, make disciples, and love others. To learn more, visit us at hpbc.church. Now, here's this week's message. This morning, if you'll notice uh, on your bulletin, uh, on the back of your bulletin, there's an outline. And this morning, we're talking about transitions. Uh, transitions, uh, many times in trans- transitions, uh, there's one really, there's an important thing that happens there. It's during transitions that we stop and reflect on the past and the future. We see what we have learned and want to pass on. And when I was thinking and praying through transitions, uh, a time that really stuck uh, to my heart was when uh, my father-in-law passed away. He was in the hospital, and he was giving his last words to his family. And he, uh, he called his son and his grandson in and gave them some final instructions on what they were to do, how they were to carry on his legacy, how they were to, to take care of. And so I was also thinking, you know, uh, he also gave me uh, final instructions that I went in and I went in and talked to him. It was a really awesome time. So the, this time of transitions, uh, we, we have uh, instructions given to us. And so one was with him, but we also have not just last words, but when we're transitioning jobs, maybe, when we're transitioning in life. When we're transitioning, uh, we just had students uh, transition from high school to college, and some of them are right here, and, and I'm sure that they were given a lot, of, uh, a lot of words of wisdom of, hey, do this, don't do this, or this is what I learned when I went from high school to college or high school to my job. So one of the things I want you to think about this morning is, what would your final words be? Whether it be at the end of your life and you're coming to the end of your life and you, your family it is gathered around you, what would you instruct them? How would you advise them? Or if you're transitioning, for me, I was thinking about me, if I was transitioning out of youth ministry, what would I tell the incoming youth pastor? Watch out for that Austin guy or uh, Quinn, you better keep an eye on that kid. Uh, he, and you, you never know what he's going to do. No, I would give them some, some wisdom, some things that I've learned in youth ministry. So again, uh, this morning, I really want you to, to take this journey with me. You'll see on your outline, we're going to hit a few different transitions, times of transition in the Bible. And so we're going to kind of take this journey together uh, through these different transitions. As we look, I want you to look for common themes that maybe you can gather and how we can apply those to our life. The first transition that we're going to look at is Moses to Joshua. So when I was first studying for uh, this sermon this morning, I was thinking about calling it final words because a lot of what we're going to be talking about is uh, someone's final words to someone else. And you would think a guy like Moses, he would have passed on some final words. But it's kind of interesting in the book of Joshua, uh, the first chapter it's not, Joshua, it's not Moses that gives the final words to Joshua. It's not uh, Moses that instructs Joshua what to do. Moses had a lot of experience. I mean, he went through a lot of things. He learned a lot from God. And you would think he would have passed that on. Or at least it would have been written. But here we see that someone else steps into the picture. And it's God. God steps in and he instructs 
the heart of Joshua. Let us read that. It's Joshua 1, uh, 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous. For you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction. My servant Moses commanded you, do not turn it, do, do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your, your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I really like to encourage all of us um, after the sermon to go back through this week and read over those words because there's a lot here to unpack and we're not going to hit on everything, but we're going to hit on some of the, the main points. First question for you underneath a uh, uh, transition from Moses to Joshua that I'd like for you to write down is, how important is God's word to you? How important is God's word? Does it make a difference in your life? Do you make time, do you sacrifice to, to read it, to be a part of it, to, to uh, memorize it? I, I love the instruction that God, this is God speaking to Joshua, and, and the situation here is Joshua is about to lead the Israelites into the promised land, so he's got a, a, a huge task before him. And some of you might, be, might feel the same way, that you have a huge responsibility in front of you, that you have to raise your family, you have a job to do, that you have a lot going on in your life, and you need some practical advice, and what... what what God tells Joshua here is not, hey, do A, B, C, and D, and then you'll have success. Then I'll be with you. He commands him. He says, be strong and courageous. I mean, he reiterates that over and over again to him. That means, guess what, Joshua? He might have been scared. He might have been afraid. He might have been uncertain of himself. Maybe you've been in that same situation where you're not really certain of your own skills. You're not really certain of your own abilities, of your own intellect, of your own strength. But here, it's not about Joshua, really. It's about God. It's about what he's commanded him. How important is God's word to you? Look at verse uh, 8. This book, what Moses wrote down from God, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Saying your words should be my words. Your thoughts should be my thoughts. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. Man, how busy do we get in life where we, we don't even make time for God's word? We go from point A to point B. We, get, we got this task to complete. We got this job to do. We got to take care of these kids. We got we to figure out what we're doing in life. We don't know what the future looks like, so we got to work as hard as we can to figure that out. But God here is, is telling Joshua, you have a lot before you. He knows the task before him. He knows what's, what's promised to him. He knows the opposition that is facing him. But yet God says, you need to rest in me. Your focus has to be on me. Because if your focus, listen to this, it's pretty awesome. If our focus is not on God, 
then we start focusing on our job. We start focusing on these other things. If we don't value God's word, then we'll value something else far greater. And that will always, always let us down. If we don't value God's, God's word more than our own thoughts, if we don't got, value God's word more than our own ideas, then we think we can solve it and then we'll be disappointed. So I want to encourage us in this journey, look at Moses to Joshua when God was transitioning from one great leader to another great leader. This is big time of transition. What does he instruct him to do? Carefully observe the whole instruction. My servant Moses commanded you. He said, listen to my words. Listen to my words. Then we transition from David to Solomon. We're going to transition from David to Solomon. We're going to, and now we're look, walking into final words. This is David uh, talking on his deathbed in uh, 1 Kings 2. And we're going to look at his words. What, did he, what was his final words? David is seen, is, is talked about as a man after God's own heart. But David had a lot of problems, right? If you, if you value God's word, if you read God's word, if you look in uh, the Old Testament, you read about this man, David, he was no shining hero. He was not a man without faults. He was a man with a lot of faults. But he was a man that was passionate about God. He, he loved the Lord, but he made a lot of mistakes. And so he has a lot that he could share with Solomon. Solomon, his son, that was going to be taken over to the kingdom, he had a lot to tell him. But let's see what was most important to him. As the time approached for David to die, he instructed his son Solomon. This is 1 Kings 2, 1 through 4. As for me, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong and courageous like a man. It's this reoccurring theme. Be strong and courageous. That means if you're scared, you stand in good company. If you're afraid to do what God's called you to do, then that's okay. God's word instructs us. Instructs us. So David, again, is instructing Solomon. And uh, he continues, it says, as, as for me, I'm going the way of all the earth. Be strong and courageous like a man and keep your obligations to the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to keep his statutes, commands, and ordinances and decrees. This is written in the law of Moses so that you will have success in everything you do and wherever you turn. And so that the Lord will carry out his promise that he made to me. If your sons are careful to walk faithfully before me with their whole heart and mind, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. David's last words were, follow God. That he was his, on his deathbed, all the things that he could have shared. There's many war stories he could have shared with Solomon of make alliance with this king. Don't do anything with this guy. You know, take care of this person. Do this, do that. He could have given all these kind of step-by-step instructions. But what was the main thing on his heart at the time was God's word. He said, keep your obligation to the Lord. Your, God, your Lord, your God, to walk in his ways. This is the second question that I want you to write underneath transitions from David to Solomon. How well are you putting into practice God's word? So David's final instruction to Solomon was to keep his word, to keep his commands, keep his decrees. But we have to look at how well are we putting into practice God's word? 
Because David's final words to Solomon really hit home with us, hit home with me. Am I keeping his commands? Am I observing the whole instruction? Do I look at God's word and say, I need to change my thought and pattern here? Because this, that's when we will have success. When we're willing to humble ourselves. Because that's what Solomon was going to have to do. He was going to have to humble himself and say, God, you know better than I. We're going to look and see what did Solomon do in a few minutes. But Solomon transitioned to, from David to Solomon. David said, keep my commands. Keep the Lord's commands, his statutes, commands, ordinance, and decrees. That was what's going to be best. How was he to faithfully have a king on the throne of Israel for all eternity? Was well, to follow God, to follow his commands. How well are we putting into practice God's word? And then we look at uh, a transition from, from Solomon to the divided kingdom. And see, it starts breaking down here. Because what Solomon failed to do was to put in practice David's words. David said, follow Moses' commands. Follow the word. Follow what God has already told you to do. And Solomon, he was a wise, wise man. But if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, he goes through, all, he goes through his life and he wants to figure out what is best. And it's this amazing ability of, of Solomon that he could do this. He could go through life. He had all the money he could ever ask for. He had everything at his hands, any type of food, any kind of desire. He could fulfill it the best of his ability. And he had the wisdom to be able to do it as well. And he comes to the end of his life. And what does he say? And it's in Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. It says this. When all has been heard, the conclusion of the matter is. This is when all has been heard, when I've done everything, when I've went through all my life and I had everything handed to me. I had all riches. I had people coming to me and giving me money. I had people coming to me and asking for my wisdom, my words. When I had all power, when I could do everything, when all was heard, what does he say? Fear God and keep his commands. Because this is for all humanity. For God will bring every act to judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. He said, the last words, everything I can tell you to do is fear God and keep his commands. He said, I've tried everything else. Everything else will leave you wanting. Our society will say, pursue this. Think about the commercials that you've seen this morning or yesterday. All the commercials are promising is this idea of you buy my product, you will be happy. You do this, you will be happy. That you give me your money, I will promise you success and hope and happiness. Well, here, here Solomon, we can see from God's word is he tried it all. He tried all that. And he says that fear God, fear God. Question there is, what do you fear? So the simple question under going from Solomon to the divided kingdom is what do you fear? Because Solomon is telling his son that is supposed to be taken over the throne is you need to fear God. And trust wise counsel, fear God. And then if you, if you know the history of, of Israel, uh, so it goes from uh, Saul to David 
and then from David to Solomon, and then Solomon, it just splinters. It goes into the divided kingdom, the Israel, the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom. And it just goes from bad to worse. It just keeps on degrading. Why? Because they never go back to David's instructions. They never go back to Solomon's instructions to fear God, to keep his commands. That we see, again, this is why Old Testament is so important that we can learn so much from it, that you and I can uh, apply so much from the Old Testament is that if we follow God's command, he is wise, he is all-knowing, he has a path for us. Are we going to choose to follow that path or are we going to reject that? See, the, the reason why I ask what do you fear is because fear drives us, right? Fear drives us. What are you afraid of? If we're afraid of failure, we'll, we will work as hard as we can at our job to not fail. We will work as hard as we can. We'll do whatever we can to not fail someone if we feel failing people or failing something. If we fear uh, 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 being alone, then we will be everywhere. We'll be involved in everything. We'll sign our name on every, every volunteer list. I got a funny story on this. Um, what do you fear? Uh, and I'll just let the cat out the bag. I fear frogs, okay? Um, I do have an unnatural fear of frogs. Uh, my wife reminds me all the time, why do you fear frogs but not spiders? Like spiders, I mean, if spiders, you stomp it and you're good to go. A frog, you can't really stomp a frog. It just splatters everywhere. That's just gross. But anyway, I have a, uh, uh, a bad fear of frogs. And so don't be coming to my office and throwing frogs in my office, okay? Uh, that's just not cool. But I'm just being vulnerable here, okay, being trans- transparent. But I fear frogs. And this will drive me. I've done some crazy things before because of my fear of frogs. Fears do drive us. We were driving down the road one time. We were coming to church, I believe. And uh, Rebecca, we were at our house in Somerville. And for some reason, I don't know if God was just laughing at me or what, but uh, in Somerville, when we lived there, uh, the window beside our door was always covered in three or four tree frogs. I mean, they were always there. And so... Anyway, we were coming to church, and there was a frog on her dress. And she said, oh, Jason, uh, I think there's a frog on me. Slammed on brakes. She got out. She got the frog out. Uh, I mean, it was not a good day. A good thing that we weren't out of the neighborhood yet. Fear drives us. I mean, sometimes irrational fears will drive us to do irrational things. What do you fear? Let's get it a little bit more personal of. Do you fear of being a failure? Do you fear being alone? Do you fear death? Because what here, what, what Solomon is saying here and what we see throughout Scripture, it says fear God. Why? Because that was what will, feel, will, will drive us, will full, fuel us, will get us to do things that maybe we wouldn't ever do before. Is your fear of God greater than your fear of man? I mean, we've been going through the book of Acts. We see Peter, his fear of God was much greater than his fear of man, right? He was willing to be beaten and flogged. If he feared man, he would have submitted and said, all right, I'll I'll stop preaching in his name because you told me to. But because his fear of God was so much greater, he went and did crazy things like spread the gospel in places that were hostile. He did crazy things like going to his neighbors and being willing to be put in jail, being willing to lose financial benefit. If we fear God, 
We're going to reach our neighbors. See, what David, what Solomon was advising his son is also applicable to us. We are to fear God and keep his commands. If we fear God, what can we do? Think about the amazing things that God has in store for you. If you're willing to say, I fear you more than I fear man. I fear you more than I fear losing my children. I fear you more than I fear of how successful I will be. Lord, I fear you more than anything else. It's this kind of crazy idea. I've always wondered, God, why do you want us to fear you? But the older I've gotten, the more I've seen. Fear drives us. Fear drives us in so many ways. Let us fear God over everything else and keep his commands. So it goes to the divided kingdom. And then we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to go all the way into the New Testament. A transition from Paul to Timothy. And some of our students that went to uh, Somersault, uh, at Somersault, uh, we talked a lot about uh, Timothy and uh, how the, his character, and actually 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy. Uh, and when Paul is writing the second letter to Timothy, he's basically giving him his final instructions. Um, we learned there, and I've also learned that, you know, Paul was uh, in a, a dungeon uh, cell type area, and he was waiting on his trial. He's waiting to basically be executed. And so he gives his final instructions uh, to Timothy. And we're going to start in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. It says, for I'm, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. There is reserved for me in the future the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the, ju- the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those who have loved his appearing. And here... The question is, what are you fighting? What are you fighting? Meaning that we'll fight for something. That when something is important in our life, we will fight for it. We will give our all. If we desire to have a certain item, if you desire to have a new phone, if you desire to have a new car, a new house, a new something, and you desire to have it so much, you will fight for that. I've seen parents or, or I've seen friends of mine that they, they've so desired to have a child that they will fight for that. They will invest in that. They will give their everything to have a child. When we have this kind of passion that we will fight for, it. What, what are you fighting for? What race are you running? And have you kept the faith? So what fight are you fighting? What race are you running? And have you kept the faith? See, with Paul's last instruction to Timothy, again, here's another situation where Paul could have, he could have given him all kinds of instructions. He could have told him uh, how to set up this and that, to be careful of this person or that person. He could have told him all types of things. And he instructed him in a lot of ways. But here, his final instruction, what was most important was that he kept the faith. He kept the faith. He kept God's command. He was faithful to that. Uh, when, again, when studying through this and thinking about, all right, 
this guy from Paul to Timothy, and there's transition there, a transition from one ministry to another, and thinking about my own life and how uh, Robbie Ott has been a, a person like Paul in my life, where he transitioned from one ministry to another, where he, uh, he invested in me. He poured out himself for me, for God, in me. For I, in verse 6, it says, For I am already pouring out as a drink offering. I mean, he was sacrificing for the, the ministry. That he, he kept the faith. See, Robbie, when he was investing in me, he did a lot of things like, like Paul. Instructing and guiding. Who are you guiding? Who are you pouring into? Who are you investing in? We have something coming up called uh, Titus Talk. It's an opportunity for you to invest in someone, to get to know someone. So uh, to think also along this journey of who are you investing in? You'll see there, the, what is the most important information for you to pass on to someone else? What would you tell your kids? Maybe you go home and have dinner. What, what would be that instruction that you would want to give them? Would you give them a to-do list? of, hey, you need to do this, this, and this? Or would you give them these principles like, like these people did, like God gave Joshua, like David gave Solomon, like Solomon gave the divided kingdom, and like Paul gives to Timothy? So we see that there is something worth passing on. Are you passing on something? What are you passing on? See, we look at... Uh, all these different stories, we look at these four different stories of transitions or final words. What's common with every transition we looked at today is know God's word and keep it. One of the things that, to be honest, I was afraid about preaching this sermon was that it's pretty simple. That it's, it's, there's not a, a whole lot of deep theological truths to, to dig out here. It's very simple that we... We know God's word and we keep it. So I'd ask you to pray that this afternoon. Do you know God's word? Do you know what he commands? Do you know his decrees? Do you know how he wants you to love him and follow him, be devoted to him? And then if you do know that, are you keeping that? Uh, John Mark is going to come up and uh, lead us in a time of uh, invitation. During that time, um, I want to ask you to uh, pray to God. Ask Him, what, what this morning, which one are you? Are you a Moses? Are you uh, Joshua? Are you Solomon or David or Timothy or, or Paul? Are you investing in someone? So during this time of invitation, uh, just sit here and, and pray to God and then I'll close this in prayer. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have any questions or want to know more about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, please contact us online at hpbc.church. Please join us again next week as together we seek to know Christ and make Him known.